0: There we go. Welcome back to the channel, guys. I am joined by Scott Walner, and he's another guest that I stole from Karen. So, Karen, if you're listening, shout out to you. really appreciate it. Some interesting people, for sure. Uh, I listened to this episode you did with Karen, and I was just so curious. Usually, when Karen invites people over, she asks for their story, and I did the same. And I felt like I was talking about myself too much very quickly. And I told Karen, like, I don't know if I'm speaking too much. She's like, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. And with you, I really felt like, go ahead, please. Longer, longer. Because you have so much. For me, you have a lot to tell. And there's a lot of things where I want (laughs) to ask you things about. So um, I hope it's not too much repetition for you to do this again. Uh, But uh, but please, please. Tell the audience a bit about your story, and then I'll I'll stop you when I when I'm curious.
1: Sure. Yeah. Of course. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, I guess the good thing is I don't have a lot of practice with this. Um. So it's probably going to be different. I was actually thinking a lot. You know, we were talking over the past few days, just setting this up, and you know, I even asked, like, "Dude, do you want? I don't, because I feel <laughs> kind of so uncomfortable telling my story in a certain way." I hear you. Um, that i was thinking about Hmm, what should i include because i do have a lot of stuff and some of it is significant in a weird way some of it that seem might seem significant to some people is maybe not as significant to me mm-hmm. like for example you know i started by getting degrees in physics and mathematics um and to me that's sort of one of the less significant things mm-hmm. that i even in terms of like where I'm at now intellectually, um, but yeah, I guess um, I, I grew up in the Midwest uh, outside of Chicago in the USA, and it was just like pure suburbia. If you know anything about sort of American suburbs, it was it was that, and it was great. You know, I was so blessed to like have a really great family, strong family, and be safe and secure, and have opportunities to do things. Um, Did you have siblings? Yeah, I do have siblings. I'm the oldest. And then I have um, a brother who is just two years behind me in school. I have a sister who's three years behind me in school. So we were all in um, high school together. Good. Um, and then I have a younger brother who is almost 10 years younger than me. Okay. So he's he like 25 now. Um, awesome. Yeah. And uh, grew up, lived in a, in a neighborhood outside of Chicago most of my life went to a great high school took the you know straightforward path of going to a good college I went to my mother's alma mater mm. and um yeah it was just um in school I uh, I found math really really easy um and just intuitive and enjoyable. Um, and the same with physics I had a great physics teacher and he captured me into that and just doing the math in the physics world was just kind of fun and mm. um you know, after that, I just decided, all right, I, I guess I'll just keep going with these things in terms of school because my true focus was um on my on my soccer. Yeah. Uh, on my on my football. So can I ask you
0: a question real quick? Yeah. Were you like grateful already in those moments? Like were you already so happy with because you're speaking about it, like everything was great. Was it for you subjectively like?
1: Um I think I did probably did have some recognition that I was like a fortunate young person. Mm -hmm. Um, and that my, again, my family was safe, secure. We had, we had things that we needed. Um, so I did recognize that I didn't have much of an appreciation for it. Um, I was also a very, and maybe this is a negative bias looking back on my young self, but I was a very driven, hyper-competitive sort of, I would even call myself just egotistical, you know, straightforward on my path type of person, um, I had a lot of friends and was good socially. So it, was, it didn't interrupt any of that, but in my own little world, it was like a one track mind and, um, yeah. And I was really, really focused on, on football. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I played like in the top clubs, uh, in, in Chicago and we competed nationally and internationally cool. when I was young, I traveled overseas multiple times before I was 13 to play, um. And, and I had my mind set that eventually I would become a professional. Um, and so that was really in my heart what was pulling me along day to day, practice to practice, game to game. Uh, but my parents were uh, just very strong and intelligent people, and they pushed us really hard to do well in school. So I just had um, – I didn't have a choice but to do well in school, and lucky for me it came easy. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, – after college i had a good experience i played in college i continued to try to play soccer
0: ask you I, your position
1: uh depend my, my my true position is a playmaker in the middle of center course
0: Man, yeah that's lovely but, um,
1: depending on the depending on the team i've played up top as a striker i've played i've played defensive center midfield but uh, yeah, yeah my, how tall are you how tall am i 5'10
0: Perfect, man. You're you're a perfect <laughs> soccer player. No, I play no. I play football all my life as well, and it's like um, it sounds like you're a <laughs> you're made for it in terms of your your body type and everything. So, you know,
1: I I spent a lot of time on it, and I was lucky to have like good competition, good coaching. Even back when I was young, where in the U.S., you know, in the '90s, you know, soccer wasn't as big as it is now. There weren't no. like academies, and the MLS was you know just getting started and and all of that but how um, do you rate
0: it now actually mls do do you watch it at all
1: uh i don't really watch any teams regularly. i don't have much time um but i know i do know that young players are so much better because i've continued to coach i've coached soccer for more than a decade and i've coached um at the college level division three i've coached division one girls i've coached high school middle school and i've spent thousands of hours uh doing like Four or five and six year olds and seven, eight and nine year olds. Yeah. So I've done a lot of youth soccer coaching, and the talent is crazy. The high school players nowadays would destroy, you know, the high school and college teams from from the past. So they okay. it's getting a lot better for sure.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, but yeah you-
1: so I just um, gosh, uh, yeah, I wanted to keep pursuing soccer, and I kept my academics going. I was a really, really strong student, and um kind of got burned out on my academics by the end of my four years in college and so I say this again sort of negatively um decided to be a teacher because I couldn't do what I thought I would do as an engineer or something um and really just kept trying to play soccer and eventually my efforts got me uh some opportunities in Serbia to Amazing. play which uh is a is a long story but um it's a family friend who who had connections. He was a professional in Serbian and he got, he hooked me up with the right people. And so I got over there for some trials and was dealing with contracts and all of that. um, And was right there. (laughs) Um, And that's when I had a career ending injury, a really devastating injury. Um, So I had like my, my, my peak experience. I can even remember the experience where we were playing. um, We were playing inside and we were just playing some five V five and we were forced to play one touch everybody play one touch and for me that was my game but to be surrounded by these guys who we were just flying around and touching the ball and it was it was a flow state and I will never forget that and I felt like wow this is what I've <laughs> this is what I've been wanting this is what I've been waiting for and um so it was really great and then I was sort of in the midst of trying to solidify places and contracts and then I got injured and um how did it happen? Uh so I was playing I was playing soccer. I was playing in an extra game. I had already finished my league game like a men's league game and um in in my town I was you know I played so much in this town that most people knew me and I would stay and play with other teams just for fun. I would play my game i I play the next game, I play the next game. Um and I just was playing in a in a co-ed just for fun game and I went in for a tackle with the guy and we both hit the ball at the same time. And, uh, I came with the inside of my, I don't want to be too gory, but I came with the inside of my foot and he came straight on. And, um, so essentially my lower leg basically almost detached from my upper leg, had like a, a full knee dislocation. And then my MCL tore off of my tibia, my ACL exploded, my MCL, my PCL, everything was torn straight across. Um, and so, yeah, I had to have a couple of surgeries and, Then I was basically bedridden and on crutches Mm -hmm. for for more than a year and really in bed with a hip-to-ankle brace for many months. And, um, yeah, that changed my life. Yeah, I can imagine. It changed my life drastically. Um, But the real positive change didn't come for a while. So at first it was a really negative (laughs) change that took me down really, really deep. And Mm. uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just some people that I had close to me. I had someone that I was seeing at the time who just kind of helped me through and my family and my friends um, really just gave me a reason (laughs) to keep going because I lost all of my other reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, that changed my life. And that got me started uh, down a path to basically realize that I had to empty myself out and try to fill it back up. And I do remember a very, uh, a very specific time where I told myself, this is an opportunity to fill Enough yourself. Up. You get to leave behind some of the things that you may not have liked or that, didn't work um and so it really did feel like a truly truly like a reinvention of myself and um so it was one of the you know one of the greatest turns in my life um despite being a really hard time yeah so
0: yeah okay
1: then i got got into intellectual and i started so i don't do you want me to go like where i've been recently please no but like
0: i i i think we have at the football if i remember correctly you're bedridden. You start reading. You were already reading before. Yeah. You took um I think it was a course that was involving Thoreau and Yes. Yes, I think I, I'm not familiar at all with these with these uh with these authors. But so you already had like a an intellectual spark before and now it was like full on. If I, yeah. if I understand yeah. correctly. So,
1: exa- exactly. I was um I was fed some essentially like ecological literature or environmental literature. And a lot of it is actually based in at least the stuff that we were given by our professor um, was sort of rooted in depth psychology too. So because of that, when I went back to those books, I started reading, I'm like, these are the only books I have from this class. And so I went back and I just started reading those. And then I just started following. I was sort of inspired by what I was reading again. And I started reading about the authors and like, you know, when I read poetry, you know, I don't totally get it. And so then I read somebody that has analyzed the poetry, and I learn more about it. And then there's just this trail of all of these books, and I just started getting them all. And um, so yeah, the the next jumping off point was like, really going hard into uh, Jung. Oh,
0: I love that. (laughs) Please tell me about that. I'm very curious. Where'd you start?
1: um I actually started with uh memories dreams and reflections you I know, know it one, yeah I have it on my autobiography, phone. autobiography yeah. Um, yeah not autobiography biography slash autobiography it's kind of an interesting book um and that really set the stage for me to understand like where Jung was coming from um and then gosh what do I have behind me um I mean man and his symbols yeah uh, okay Then I discovered the, well, synchronicity was like blowing my mind of like, what is synchronicity? And then the, the practice of active imagination.
0: I never Um, got that down. Did you? No, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, but I tried. Um, So I actually, I tried because of that um, and what I was going through, I thought maybe this will help me maybe this will help me get out of this and find out what I'm supposed to do, you know, doing some shadow work type of stuff um, and opening up my creativity and things like that. And um, so I, (laughs) well, gosh, I'll just, I'll just sort of drop you into where I got into my active imagination. So I've been in and out of classrooms, teaching physics and teaching math and Uh, kind of got burnt out on that. Didn't, didn't enjoyed it and didn't enjoy it and was inspired and uninspired. And, and finally I said, okay, I'm going off to the woods. And I went and I worked on a mushroom farm and I was making, I was making compost. So what we did at this mushroom farm was we actually uh, essentially cooked compost from scratch as the substrate to grow mushrooms organically. Mm. And these are um, just, Uh, culinary mushrooms. So like portobello's and whites and shiitake and, and things that people eat, we sell at the market. Um, and so I was in this tiny little room, like out in the woods on a lake and I would go do my hard labor every day. I didn't really speak to many people throughout the day. Most people were speaking Spanish. I spoke English and, um, and then I would go home to my little room and I didn't have to think about work at all. And I just, went in and uh, I started trying to go through active imagination and some other sort of um, spiritual practices, breath work, meditation. Okay.
0: Projection. Can I ask you a question? This was in Cabo Verde?
1: Oh, uh, no, this is still in the US. This was in Wisconsin.
0: But people speak Spanish?
1: Uh, people who worked at the farm. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. I was, I was a bit confused because I was like, <laughs> wait, 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 where are we going? Okay. Can you, can you elaborate on the on the spiritual practices? How did you get um uh, well how did you decide on which you wanted to do? Did you have any any teachers?
1: No, I just tried uh, okay. <laughs> I
0: books and the internet.
1: Awesome. Tim Hoff, like I tried yeah. and like Tropic Breathing. I tried some of that. Yeah. And I tried just some um, I tried meditation, it never worked for me. Like uh if I was trying to relax and let go, I can't do that. I can't. I, I still haven't figured out how to like turn it off in here um and so I really really struggled with that and so instead I, try, I tried like uh projections like going out of body yeah and got pretty good at that and some like lucid dreaming and okay
0: mm-hmm. what do you do in a lucid dream
1: what have I done
0: yeah what do you do like when when once you figure it I've never figured it out I, I like I wonder would you fly what do you do
1: I, um, I didn't fly the couple times that I've done it. I've been able to run really, really fast. Oh, I was nice. able to, I was, uh, the sort of like on the rooftop scenario where I was like oh. jumping, like crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And I was like jumping like that. And then another one that I had was, um, it didn't start out as a lucid dream, but I was, I was swimming. I was being chased as usual. All my dreams are night and I'm being pursued, Yeah. um, in some form or another. And yep. I had to go in the water and I went under the water. And then I realized, wait, I've been under the lo- water like way longer than I can <laughs> hold my breath. And, and I, I'm like, right. Okay. I can just stay under the water. And then I just stayed under the water and I was just, That's dope. yeah. So, but only really like very vividly successful, just a couple of half a dozen times. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't really get very good at it. Some mm-hmm. people can make it happen pretty regularly and also yeah. do thought experiments in lucid dreaming and and things like that and code in lucid. I've heard lots of stories. no way.
0: Them. people code in lucid dreams.
1: Oh oh yeah, yeah. they they said they've actually they debug their code in their lucid dreams. so they'll wake up with the the solution.
0: This is the productivity hack. I've always been like
1: <laughs> yeah the the waking hours aren't enough for you. You need
0: no, I don't well. I don't I actually I don't mind sleeping I just have a lot of nightmares so I would rather just be coding if I could
1: (laughs) well tell tell me about that I I that was a lifelong thing for me actually um nightmares sleep trouble sleeping trouble falling trouble staying asleep and then nightmares like like I said for a while I didn't know what a dream was people talked about like happy fun dreams I'm like I never have a happy fun yeah same
0: I my theory is this um I didn't have them all my life I think it has something to do with a shadow as well that Jung talks about. So that unconscious side, I'm probably butchering it, that uh, that you don't let come into fruition during the day. Mm-hmm. When I was when I had a darker period of my life, my dreams were like my happy place. My sleep was my happy place. I couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. Now my life, I wake up um, and I'm blessed enough to to be like, I'm excited, you know. <laughs> and now but- my dreams are really just the worst just the worst like i'm being chased and i'm guilty and i know it and it's just this type of stuff but i know it's probably too simplistic of an explanation but it's the one that's worked for me thus far
1: well i have a particular intuition about dreams that i got from someone named james hillman he's an author he's Mm -hmm. a psychologist and um has written about dreams and um sort of personal development, but also, also like death and things like that. He's wonderful, would highly recommend his books. And um, one thing to keep in mind is that everything in your dream is generated by you. Mm. Right. And so you create your own pursuant. Right. And so, so what is that? Um, You know, is it something it's sort of your nature to Mm -hmm. feel pursued to to be pushed to run away to mm. you know what is chasing you down you know yeah it's, it's something it's it's something that's sort of expressing itself in this type of imagery um but it's i feel like it's probably intrinsic and yeah. just being being pushed into the only place that it can because in your waking it doesn't make it to the surface Yeah. it doesn't, exactly. have, it doesn't have room because you're doing so much of the things you know, do you feel like you're always running forward?
0: Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. I think there's definitely a side to me. Like you talk about your person. Did you take Peterson's personality test? Yes. What is your uh, conscientiousness?
1: Um, Low, highly disagreeable. Yes. Uh, okay. Pretty low conscientious. Uh, what was my, I can't remember. Uh, I took it so many years ago, like back yeah. in uh, 2017 when, Jordan was yeah that's like, coming off and everybody was digging in I did it right away you know it's self-authoring yeah yeah, ball. yeah
0: yeah that's awesome no okay because I was wondering about that because for me well you sound like someone who really pursues his is is goals and you sound very conscientious so I'm surprised by your score because you seem to work very hard at, at the things you do but maybe you just enjoy it so much that it comes easy I don't know what that is yeah
1: i think i have um I like a strong, like a stubborn person, and like oh, yeah. a strong sense of myself, and not willing to bend. Mm. So I can be very, uh, like I'm a very skeptical person. Yeah. Uh, very, um, a contrarian. Yeah. Um, and so you know, if it doesn't fit my yeah, bill, then this um, explains
0: your theories, your your thoughts, your frameworks.
1: Maybe i I think part
0: of it because like i'm I'm too agreeable to um and also just i know I'm not smart enough to 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 invent an ontology, but you seem to have at least like the the academic background to to venture into that because I think what you do have is the the combination of the different disciplines, which is quite rare um and the I, embodied experience yeah go ahead
1: yeah i right that's um you know. I say that like in interviews all the time, <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to uh, tell people about my background. I'm like, look, I've had a little bit of everything, Yeah. Uh, but I think actually like what you're pointing out, the, the contrarian nature, I've always felt really strongly about that. Even when, you know, like when I read, I can remember two very specifically when I read Richard Dawkins yeah. and when I read Daniel Dennett. I was disagreeing with them the whole time. Mm. You know, I was like, I get this. This is very smart. I agree. Or I shouldn't say the whole time. I agree with a lot, but I was always finding points where I'm like, this doesn't seem to work. I, I, this isn't making total sense to me. You know, Darwinism. That's a good
0: sign. That's good.
1: Yeah. I guess. I don't know where I got that from. Honestly. Um, My dad is like one of the most conscientious people in, in the world. (laughs) Um, He's like, the most polite and just principled person. Um, so I don't know. It was it was probably during my during my rebellious uh, drop into the black sheep yeah. um, of my family. That's know?
0: amazing. I I pulled all this up to say that I think the reason I'm being chased in a way, even mm-hmm. though I work pretty hard, is that my like my industriousness is really really high, and if I don't do something that to me is productive like i start i get i get restless let's say yeah. so i think that maybe is an is an explanation but uh, dreams for me remain very enigmatic do you think
1: um that that dogged pursuit is worth it and is is paying off for you because you can make arguments both ways and obviously there has to be some sort of balance but do you yeah. feel like, yeah what do you think
0: i would say that um when i was a little bit younger let's say 3 4 years ago it wasn't paying off because i didn't consider social connection or mm. meditation or let's say work on my mental health as product productivity but i've been able to reframe that so that even when i'm not working on like uh, intellectual stuff um I still feel productive. So for me, having a dinner with my, with my partner is productive because it's good for the relationship and doing meditation is productive because it's good for the, well, for, for, for a lot of things. So I guess in that sense, it hasn't, uh, well, as of recently, it hasn't been to my detriment, but it definitely used to be.
1: Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I th- I feel like I've struggled with that balance too. And also the, you can create, or I have created a problem for myself often of just, over analyzing my own behaviors yeah. and then becomes the problem not the yeah. behavior yeah the yeah yeah <laughs> of the behavior um and uh yeah so there's a balance there's there's also there's also a lot to letting go and mm. uh letting go of the pursuits too maybe this is where i bring up uh cabo verde yeah. and uh, talk about the lifestyle there which was you know my friend and i we we bought one-way tickets and we had two backpacks each, you know, and we lived in a, you know, 10 by 15 concrete room. Amazing. It's on the beach and, and it was the, it was the most content I've ever been in my whole life. Wow. You know, I didn't need it. I didn't even need, I didn't need my books. I didn't need my phone. I didn't need my internet. I didn't need to learn. Um. Well, I actually, I was learning, but I wasn't trying to learn anything. Mm you know, I was just trying to be with those people and just like enjoy the experience of the culture and the place and the land. And, um, yeah, we were doing some really interesting things there. So it was, uh, it felt like a different planet to me, what we were doing. Um, so it was ecological
0: preservation, right? Part of it.
1: Yeah. So, um, we worked with like a local, we lived with a community, my friend had been there with the Peace Corps. So that's how he knew, he Mm -hmm. knew all of people and he actually stayed after his peace corps tour he's like i'm staying here um and so he kept working with them he he left eventually and came back to the u.s we reconnected this was like my greatest childhood friend and then we both were fed up with the like the machine was Mm -hmm. chewing us up and um he's like i'm gonna go back to cabo Verde, and i'm like dude i'll go with you let's give this a shot um and so we were living with a community and um this community lives on like uh, a three kilometer stretch uh, of black sand beach in this little bay. Oh, and um, it's a place where loggerhead sea turtles nest. And so they work to protect the sea turtles Mm. and their nesting habits and clean the beach and clean their community and then educate the community about the importance of their place. There's also, um, there's uh, a little estuary near there. It's actually a World uh, UNESCO site. I think that's mm-hmm. a heritage site, one of those. And so it's a, it's beautiful. And um, so we were living with this community and during the, the nesting season, we would go out and uh, patrol the beach all night long. And we would walk across the beach back and forth all night long waiting to find maybe a turtle that was nesting. We would uh, mark the nest and and put a sort of like a, a cage around it because dogs would come and dig up the nest and eat the turtle eggs. Um, and we would try to tag some turtles and take tissue samples and we would clean barnacles off their shells. And, um, but yeah, we were just, you know, marching down the beach in darkness up and down waiting for turtles you know right next to the shoreline just right next to the ocean i would often just like even when i wasn't on patrol i would just go sleep right out by the ocean um and uh so it was amazing it was amazing seeing the stars like that i mean people who see the stars in like pure darkness they say it's amazing and it is It's it's unavoidably amazing have you ever had the chance to do that
0: no not really i've been uh I think the closest is just at my parents' place, and that's still in this country, so it's not. Uh, I don't think it's anything like it. I've seen the Milky Way, but that, the, the fact that that's special is like telling. I think, but uh, it's Thank one you. of my dreams for sure. Even to see it at like, um, what is it called observatory, where mm-hmm. you see like, uh, where you see it like even more magnified. but right. uh, I can right. imagine it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, so we were just, you know, living on the beach, living so simple, all the food that we had was there that we either caught or that our community had grown, or that we got from the market where Mm -hmm. the community was contributing to, you know, Um, now the country is not completely like that. If you know anything about Cabo Verde, it's like, there's very disparate levels of lifestyle. So down in the capital, you know, you have people from the US embassy, and you have a university. and so people are living in apartments and, you know what I mean? Going to restaurants and like going to a nightclub. Um, but then, you know, 15 or 20 miles away, you have people who are just living off of the land, you know, and just subsistence farming. And they their families have been doing that for a long, long time. And communities that don't have running water or electricity or central plumbing and things like that. So um, very interesting country, beautiful. I would recommend anyone to go visit there there's so many different islands and different cultures and uh, language and the people are wonderful. It's so beautiful. Um, And so, yeah, we basically spent, we had visas and then came back and visas and came back. And so we spent basically a year um, together there and um, yeah, it was the, it was, it was the most content I've ever been in my life. I, I can never, never replicate it. I don't think.
0: What age were you? When you did this?
1: Uh, that was like twenty seventeen. So uh I was almost thirty.
0: Okay. Yeah. So out. you were more content then than you are now?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, definitely.
0: Yeah, I have a really
1: much cool. in my but contentness and sort of uh like fulfillment, I yeah, think it's are different. are not exactly I mean, having kids is like the most mind-blowing experience that I've had in my life but I wouldn't call it contented no no
0: of course of course but that's what that's what I was curious about I don't think it's yeah. The word. yeah I think
1: eventually maybe with my family life I'll be very content with like where we're at and like everyone is safe and you know if I can set up a childhood you know like I had where my kids have opportunities and they're you know intelligent enough and well-spoken and well-liked and um healthy and all of that then maybe I will feel more content with it but right now it feels like a lot of effort um to keep it together and to like keep it on track it's a lot of effort yeah
0: I hear you okay so you come out of this country is a country island Cabo Verde yes islands what do they speak spanish sir
1: they actually speak uh so they they speak a criollo, which is ah. based in portuguese but it's a uh, african dialect and portuguese uh blended but so okay. you can go there with portuguese and speak to speak to I, everyone. did you
0: learn did you learn that language a little bit
1: I, a little bit it was very difficult and it was yeah. a short time span and yeah. honestly uh it was amazing being an observer a lot mm. and being very quiet i spent so much of my life being the voice yeah. of being the teacher being the coach being the captain being the most opinionated being the know-it-all, you know, always sort of putting myself out there. Um, and this, I had no choice. I had to sit back. And it was, it was again, another way of being for me that I had not had before. Um, and that type of, yeah, that quiet and silence was, ended up really sticking with me too.
0: Amazing. All right. So what happens when you come home? Oh, my god! And where's home?
1: Uh, still Chicago area okay. now little bit north of there in a state called Wisconsin. So yep. it's just an hour outside of um, Chicago, basically. Um, let's see, what did I do? What did I do after that? Well, I had lived in New York City um, previously before that. Um, and then I went to Cabo Verde. And then I came back. And that's when I, um, I actually went back to that old lake that I started at on the mushroom farm. I went mm. back to, to that place um they welcomed me back I sort of like watched over the property um it was a family their property and I lived in like a tiny little coach house and they only lived there during a certain part of the year so I sort of watched over it, did all the yard work and all of that it was great um and uh that's where I got back into uh, like a fire for philosophy studying perception and vision and consciousness and all of machine learning and sort of all of those Um, areas that are sort of interconnected now really, really capture me. And, um, and then I decided to try to go back to school because I was having so many thoughts. I was writing a ton. Um, Mm. I have a lot that I've written. And then I felt like I'm doing all of this writing, but nobody knows about it. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's crazy. Honestly, (laughs) I'm like, All of this stuff, I feel like this is good. This is good writing. This is good stuff. I'm working through things. I'm figuring stuff out. But I wasn't checking it with anyone. I was totally secluded. And so I basically pushed myself. I'm like, if you want to keep going with this, you better check it with the real world. (laughs) And so I decided to try to go back and um, got into a PhD program at the University of Oregon. Um, And so I went out to Oregon, had a wonderful experience. I finished my master's. First. Um, I was coaching with the women's soccer team there. It mm. was an amazing experience. Um loved my I was a part of the institute of neuroscience. I loved my classes. I took extra classes. I was leading a journal club. I was it was just
0: That's amazing.
1: Boom, on fire. Yeah. Um and then and then COVID happened. And yeah. and it just it just really I the best way I can say is that it just sort of dissolved. Um, and, um, so yeah, I still have an opportunity, um, to go and finish my, basically I just have to do my, just have to do my PhD thesis, but I have a whole PhD thesis planned. I have basically a massive outline. I have all the empirical work, um, designed and everything. I would just have to pull it off. I have a committee and everything. So the um, ideas
0: are not crazy.
1: Right. <laughs> Apparently not. I still, okay. I still don't trust myself enough, but if I'm going just based off of the evidence of and feedback from other mm-hmm. people who I consider experts, like truly experts, um, then I am on to something. I'll give you two examples. And I, I, oh, it's making me uncomfortable to talk about myself like this, but <laughs> um, so when I proposed um my my dissertation to my committee, which included the department chair of the psychology department at the University of Oregon. He was on my committee. Um, he responded with, well, Scott, there's two ways this can go. Either you're going to be the next David Chalmers, or you're going to be unemployed. So <laughs> do you really want to go down this route? <laughs> that, basically, he was, he was warning me. He said, "This is this could be powerful work. Um, and there's many, many, there's so many people, so I'm not special or unique or anything like that. There's so many smart people in any number of universities, Mm -hmm. but he was giving me feedback like, Hey, this is a really interesting path, but I wouldn't suggest this, (laughs) you know, like it's not going to take you anywhere. Um, but I happened to, um, you know, convince Uh, professor emeritus from the philosophy department to be on my committee just by pitching him my my ideas and another professor emeritus in the institute of neuroscience so these people generally don't take uh graduate students or phd students
0: so that's uh, awesome
1: very they're very interested that's Um, cool yeah and so i have done a lot of work towards that um and it's a very it's it's not a humble topic basically you know the the title of my phd thesis could be something like what is information so i'm going very deep um you know into the metaphysics into basically a a philosophy of cognitive science um, and information theory i'm i'm trying to propose new uh alternatives to like shannon information theory and things like that Mm -hmm. um and uh so yeah right now it's just, I can't even, can't even go there right now. Um, it's, it requires too much time and hard thinking for me to, um, put it all together, but I have full support of my committee and I'm on leave, you know, I had children and, um, they're constantly just asking me, you know, Hey, whenever you're ready to come back and finish, we want to finish this work, you know, we're, we're ready. So, um, okay. Yeah, that's kind of where that stands. I have an incomplete PhD.
0: Um, but... Well, that sounds exciting to me. I, uh, I'm i very curious as to what it's going to look like. So you talked a little bit about your children already. Um, I think this is your uh, your part where you can't fill. That's what you told me offline. <laughs> so can you tell me about how, let's say, how you met your partner and how this has all been going?
1: Yeah. So I guess it, it started, um, I really just decided that all of the things that I had done, all these things that we had laid out, whatever it was, right, becoming a professional soccer player, going off to be a mushroom farmer, going to live on a island in the middle of the ocean, yeah, going to change the world with my mind, you know, and intellect, that's really what I thought I could do, be a scientist, be a philosopher, all of those pursuits as I mentioned earlier, failed. I didn't. I didn't get to where I thought I would go, and um, and I was truly left with this same sort of empty feeling. And it was the the whole COVID thing really brought that to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did recognize that um, I had sort of gone through this cycle and this pattern of getting really motivated and really inspired to dive all the way into something, and then sort of letting myself down ultimately um and then feeling that sort of emptiness of like what do i do now what is my purpose what am i i want to do something great i want to do something unique i want to do something exciting um and i just kind of realized that i think this pattern is just going to continue if i go again i could come up with something new and i will end up in the same place and i realized in the sort of isolation and loneliness of being out there that my family was all that I had left it was all that I had left and I my parents and my family never gave up on me through all of these pursuits you can imagine my mother when I tell her hey mom uh yeah I'm gonna quit I'm not gonna be a teacher anymore I'm gonna go I'm getting a one-way ticket to an island off the coast of Africa I'm gonna go try to save sea turtles yeah (laughs) yeah You can imagine like what what she was like, no, you're not. What yeah. are you talking about? Um, but they supported me and when it failed, they welcomed me back. And I always ended up back with my parents. The first place that I ended up was back with them and then off to something new and mm-hmm. a failure come back. And I just realized that was all that I had. And um, and I realized how all of the things that I had done were so amazing. The experiences were wonderful and I I couldn't have done those without my amazing parents. And so the next step for me was, I think, I think my time is done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's time for me to step back and just focus on something simple, um, and create a family for myself and have children. Um, and so I, I basically, um, you know, we have these, uh, websites or services where you meet people online nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I can't even remember which one I did. It's not like e-harm what is it? Um I can't remember the name of it. But it's a, it's a serious one. It's not like the slightly yeah. Tinder or whatever I, that is. Um where you put a lot into your profile mm-hmm. and you really try to match with people and have conversations and so I met my wife uh through that. We we got married and both of us were at a certain age where we were ready to have children um how quickly
0: did you know you want to get married because that's quite a thing like <laughs> you got married <laughs> boom
1: <laughs> well um i think we both knew that we wanted to get we wanted to get married in general first okay that's good and, and we before we even knew each other yeah yeah and we were both looking for this next step mm-hmm. and we found each other and we had a great connection and and we had this mindset of you know oh gosh i don't know if i want to go down um my my thoughts on arranged marriages but it, it's sort of a it's related to maybe the the positive spin on arranged marriage yeah
0: i understand i think i know where you're going yeah
1: yeah and and
0: oh no we're still here yes that, sorry i lost um... you i lost you for a sec yeah 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 okay, you throw you us for a second, but okay.
1: yeah we're good yeah i think it was just this one faith, you know, in the, in the commitment and in the thing that is larger than us, we both wanted to start a family. And so you let a little bit of yourself go when you know that you're going to put everything into your kids and Mm. into your partnership. And, um, so it was very, once we knew that we had a strong connection and all, a lot of those things that make people fall in love were there. And, uh, and then we were ready to go and we, we committed. And, um, so it, It only took us a summer.
0: Wow. That is different. (laughs) That's one for the tombstone. It took us a summer. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it did. Um, And um, I'm not saying that's the way anybody else should do it or that it would work for anyone else. Um, I do think that I could, you know, I would speak for this idea of don't look for the perfect person out there because they might be perfect for you when you meet them, but everybody changes, you know. You have I mean, to, you have to be ready for people to change and be ready for challenge and any relationship, brothers, siblings, parents, partners, friends, there's, when you spend a lot of deep time together, there's going to be challenges.
0: Yeah.
1: So you just get ready for that and, um, say, Hey, we're going to be in this together and we're going to always come back to that. And so we did, and now wow. we have, uh, we have some kids and, uh, <laughs> yeah that's so.
0: amazing yep. i'm really i'm really happy for you i can only second the idea about being ready first and then finding someone i i felt exactly exactly the same way because i was um i think i was 18 or 19 when i uh really got into peterson and stuff and at some point i was like okay ready to find a wife <laughs> <laughs> so i told my i told my family as well like i, I was a 19 year old kid and i was like yeah I'm, i'm gonna find her so I just did this challenge with myself, just meet people every day. And then um, once I'm like, sure, I'm sure. So that's mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's it's about the same. It didn't take me a summer. I'm not married yet, but uh, I'm very sure that I will. And uh, I think it's such a liberation for me, just knowing that, that you're ready. And then once you find that person, it also, it gives so much assurance to the other side and Like now I'm together with, with her for a year and a half, but within the first week I already knew, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's such a, that's really a a relaxed feeling. Let's say it feels effortless almost, even though there's challenges, but you're ready for them. Like you say, so. uh, Well, take your time, man.
1: You're, like I said, you're
0: like unbelievably
1: young. You, you, you are some sort of old soul or something. You seem like you've had so many experiences, but I would say take your time because yeah and with your partner and whatever dude explore you know like um yeah you don't want to get to the end point early Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like I said like I'm to the point where I let go of what am I trying to do in the world you know I I, (laughs) sorry it's beyond me now I did enough yeah yeah I don't understand so you you have a lot to to go for and accomplish and um and fail too, fail, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love, like I failed so much in my life. Like I feel, of course I'm young, but um, my biggest lessons are definitely the failures. Mm-hmm. And uh, about the relationship thing for me is the way I feel about why, why I don't feel like exploring anymore is because I just felt that, I felt like I got like a hyper dose of what guys usually go through in their 20s but mm. like in my late teens, cause we drink usually a bit earlier in this country in the Netherlands. So we start earlier and we get like a lot of exposure to everything and you, you want to chase girls and stuff like this. And, you know, I, I was really sick of it after like three years, once I got, mm. like, once I got to 18, I was like, Oh no, I can actually get into clubs legally, you know, stuff like this. And it started to become very boring. And, um, I realized how much more fulfillment I felt, with the long-term pursuits mm-hmm. and so same with the relationship i feel that the release the reason i have so much depth in it is because i'm so committed to it and because i've I've given this commitment from the start so for me the the thing is that i'm very um explorative i think that's the word in my i'm explorative in my intellectual pursuits and what i'm going to do i have no idea what my my job will be the next 10 years let's say But um, for me, the relationship is like, that's my, my base, my home. So it's my Mm -hmm. static, my static part. And then the dynamic can be, (laughs) can be the pursuits. So yeah. Yeah. There must be
1: balance for sure. Um, Yeah. Thinking about careers nowadays is very difficult
0: in today's. It's different. It's different. Yeah,
1: It was very much more straightforward when I was young and like, Mm -hmm. it was just obvious, like, when you grow up in the middle class, you know, in the nineties, it's like, yeah, you're going to go to school. You're going to get good grades at a good school. You're going to get a good job. And then, you know, um. but now yeah. I have kids now. I I mean, I don't plan to send them to college or university, you know, I don't know if it'll be there by the time yeah. you pay for that in 10, 15, 20 years, what will the university look like? I, I have no idea. Um. So it's an interesting time to, to think about the future, um, yeah. whether you're twenty or whether you know my one year old, like what is her future?
0: Um. Yeah, to me, it's mostly exciting, to be honest. Personally, like I know, of course, a lot of people are predicting quite a bit of doom and gloom, but okay. for me, I like the adaptability that mm-hmm. that I've that I keep finding within myself. Where I see mostly opportunities. I don't see a lot of like, and it's also due to my personality. Um, I'm not very neurotic, let's say. So for me. And also the conscientiousness helps because I know that if I want to pursue something, I can set my mind to it and and I can succeed. So the digital age to me is very interesting. Like I'm really uh, I'm really embracing it in many ways. Like this to me, like the Zoom thing, we were talking about it before, whether or not it's satanic. It's, it's at least very cool to me. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> yeah. know if I'm, if I'm fooling myself, but uh, it's true. Sure. Well, I mean... We can maybe
1: just partition like the pragmatic side of it. Yeah. And the power, the power like we have to meet each other. Yeah. And it's speak. wild. But also the sort of uh the egregores, you know, do you know that term?
0: I, I've i heard it before. It was probably yeah. a Peugeot term. That Peugeot. I... <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, we're just demons, you know, like um, you know, like Google. I shouldn't say this out loud, but like you know, Google, Facebook. These are demons in the real world, right? These are things that have causal power in the real world, yeah. But are not an entity, you know, made of matter or no, not of
0: matter, but they're made of something for sure. (laughs) Exactly.
1: It's right. Is it energy? Is it spirit? Is it you know? I don't know what they're made of. Um, Is it a network? Is it a you know? what is it but I think um, we're
0: using like these terms which are quite euphemistic like for me when I hear the term ne- network I'm not very worried you know but when you hear demon you're like "Ooh." <laughs> but I like that that Peugeot is trying to bring this idea into the world of like there's principalities and they're I mean they're they're real in a like in a very real sense that they, that they exist so yeah. yeah for sure for sure
1: exactly and um yeah I wish um I, I think that could be a big change in just the sort of lay understanding of terms like that, you know, where people who are maybe not like um, practicing a religion or, you know, they have an idea of like what an angel or a demon is and just like they have an idea of like what an alien is, you mm-hmm. know, or, a, or a monster, you know, like um, but I think, as you said, they are not fantasy, right? They're not real in the way that my desk is real but they are real in the way that they impact and like i said just have causal power in the world on real people um so yeah what type of power is that that you can you can have impact on real people without without having a body yourself without what maybe there's i shouldn't even be saying self to that thing um
0: gosh man, scott like i could do i think i could do 40 episodes with you i'm really like everything you say i'm like let me make this into an episode because i'm a, I'm
1: a <laughs> well you saw my email i feel so bad about my email now <laughs> but i had to you know that's why um because i do I, I talk to some other people online like yeah. i said um and we we go off into some of these rabbit holes Amazing. and yeah, I'm willing, I'm willing to go down any of them, Exciting, um, man. but, uh, I'll just, I'll let the, uh, the listeners know, you know, I emailed Lucas, like, Hey, what are we going to talk? What do you want to talk about? Like, please don't make me talk about myself. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I listed all of these things that, you know, like go on in my mind that we could talk about. Um, and now I feel bad. Cause I just sound like a crazy person. Uh, no, you were
0: verified you were verified by the university scott you're good really
1: well i didn't i didn't talk about you know soul spirit or
0: body at the university so
1: okay um, yeah
0: i mean you got to keep a pg you don't want to get kicked out <laughs> just yet you want to be like a level where you're like uncancelable, and then you start yeah That that's yeah, my do. goal at least
1: right i feel like i have more to say about like hope than i do about uh you know quantum physics
0: of course yeah i feel similarly
1: we don't we don't talk about hope in the university really. We talk about uh neural networks and uh you know.
0: You remind yeah. me of Wolfgang Smith. He's like, I did my uh mathematics, every man has to make a living. <laughs>
1: I, very, I very much relate to the the way that he speaks and all of that and his story and his perspective. I very much relate to that. I'm not putting myself on that level. He's like a way brilliant genius. Um, but I do feel like I have some of that same background where I have the same, he's had perspectives, you know, like yeah. along the way, I feel like I've been on some of those same stepping stones. Um, and so I just really like soak up what he has to say because it's so, it feels so intuitive to me. Oh yes, um, And with my background, right. When I, when I'm not finding that like obvious contrarian, skeptical pushback, then it's like it's fitting right into my own, you know, worldview or umwelt or um yeah, my own theory of everything or or whatever. It just it works so so well. And you know, I even I have a you know I have my own circle center boundary. Type yeah of I heard circle. about
0: this. I think and... we should get you on Kurt's channel at some point to be honest. Because they're extremely selective. Like they don't pick guests for views. I've seen Kurt's process and I think you fit the description very well. So, uh, and uh, I Kurt, think- Kurt has been, he's commented on this channel and he knows Karen a little bit. So, I mean, I think it's possible.
1: I, yeah, I've had a few messages back and forth with I think we've emailed a couple of times. Usually I'm just like trying to support, like just yeah, yeah, my love for what he does. Cause it seems like so much effort. I do. That's very nice of you to say like, um, but I definitely don't feel like in that sort of echelon of like, Guest, you know like i'm not a published scientist like i said i've just failed a bunch of times
0: i think Um, (laughs) uh, you fit the description much better than any published scientist to be honest to me it's an upside that you're not a published scientist (laughs) (laughs) it's very difficult
1: actually Um, yeah it's a difficult process um writing is difficult in general too um people are constantly telling me that i should write a book and i say why would i ever
0: do that (laughs) um (laughs) but you're like george washington man you should do it uh you just yeah, like
1: have so much written but it's it's never finished and so much of it i never go back and look at again um it's kind of like the artwork that i've done too i have thousands of um i would just i call them geometric constructions um but i have literally like thousands i've never looked at it a second no time. way
0: yeah god they should make a movie
1: that was part <laughs> of my active imagination i went uh <laughs> so i did um i started this practice of trying to open up my creativity and also um, release myself from my analytical thinking. That was part of it was that I wanted to let go of the analytical. Um, That was a part of what I took from Jung. was that when you're in this effortful thinking and uh, you're limited Mm -hmm. and so to release myself from that, I tried to, I tried to draw, I can't draw, I, I cannot be artistic. Like, It's the same block that I have with meditating, right? I like get all up in my head of like, this doesn't look right. What am I even trying to do? And so I had to constrain my creativity. Um, And so I constrained it in the simplest way that I could, which was go to the thing that I love the most, which was geometry. Um, And so all I had was uh, I had my compass, my straight edge, just back to the Greek times Had my compass, my straight edge. And then each time I would pull out a few colors of colored pencils. Um, And I would just, just leave it at that. And so I would just start sort of, you know, circles and arcs and became this whole thing. And I did it for probably almost five years, almost every night. Um, And if not, if not multiple times in a night. So I have a big, I have a big stack of these that the ones at the bottom, like I said, I've almost never like looked at a second time. Once I met my wife, she encouraged me to look at a bunch of them again. So I have done that, but For many years, they just sat in a box and I had never even looked at them. Um, But that was, uh, it worked. Some of my, probably all of my great intuitions and ideas um, that took what I had been thinking about analytically and absorbing through reading and watching YouTube and things like that, the pieces fell into place or just sort of came out when I was doing those geometric constructions. Wow. When I did stop thinking, um, and so I would constantly be like doing that, and then I would go and I would write a ton, or go on my computer and write pages and pages and pages because it would just come out after that. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, um, I think it was written. Let no one ignorant of geometry enter into the academy. Right. So I think yeah. you got you're onto something. Like, <laughs> geometry be... <laughs> was the best. Did you take geometry? No, I suck at I suck at all math, physics. Uh...
1: Geometry is like barely math. Um, It's it's actually so interesting. So a lot of geometry is sort of proof, mm-hmm. right? Like you're proving these uh, principles, or ag- yeah. you're using axioms, and yeah. um, and yet it's all so visual. Yeah. Um, And so that just, that really stuck out to me. I've been doing puzzles and a very um, visually driven person my whole life. And so it just made sense to me. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you go down the sacred geometry rabbit hole and I mean, I guess, yeah. Wait,
0: can I ask you, did you do it like, um, like the ancients? Like, is there an ancient uh school you subscribe to or did you do like a modern no spin-off? i would
1: say I like a, um almost to the point of i don't know if i would say like woo woo like spirituality oh but if you're getting stuff on youtube it's i mean so it, it's good it's the best there source is, out there right now yeah honestly, <laughs> there, there is some really cool stuff i mean oh no, it's true it's true just the i mean the principles of geometry that seem to be embedded in nature are really interesting that's why yeah. i got in fractals so i actually ran some studies based on fractals at my university um and uh got very very interested in fractals and still am but um yeah that's where it becomes really really interesting to me is that we have a formalism that really accurately i don't want to say precisely but pretty accurately describes what we see in nature Mm. that's really really interesting um and things like with the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio and, you know, those sorts of things. do you draw
0: from these things? Because I, so I, I watched the YouTube videos as well, like as a teenager and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it's super cool. Do you draw any conclusions from it? Like, what do you take away from it? Because for me, it's like, it seems like it makes, it all makes a lot of sense. All these things. It's super cool. And then I'm thinking, like, okay, what now? What is it?
1: I don't know if I have a, what now sort of feeling that's in, in like a meaningful spiritual way. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of just a recognition of the beauty. Yeah. And, um, also I think in the way things grow in the world, Yeah. right. So our, our world is alive. It's all in process. It's always changing and it and things grow and they come together despite what physicists say about entropy right there is <laughs> living things do come and um and the way that that happens um often follows these simple patterns and i guess ultimately to me it just ends up like yeah that makes sense there probably would be a simple pattern down at the bottom level of this yeah. um and it's this sort of just like life it's this sort of iterative recursive take what you have and change it to become something else then take what you have change it and become something else right and if you have a simple rule to sort of follow that path of change then you can you know become an oak tree <laughs> you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. like
1: all of that is in there in the acorn right away and um so i just more nowadays i just see it everywhere and it's just a fun like oh the branches <laughs> are following the fractal pattern i can see the i can see the self-similarity at scale on the branch or the rows of clouds that i see and i'm just like recognizing the pattern and just honestly just an appreciation of the beauty is what how it impacts me now um yeah i i would say s- stuff wow. like that and, and thinking about things at the smallest scale i think fractals make a lot of sense yeah. you know if you think about the universe as Well, in my opinion, like there aren't any real boundaries Mm -hmm. uh, and yet there appear to be boundaries. Mm -hmm. So how do you make sense of the fact that it seems like there's boundaries, but you know that there's not really boundaries? Fractals are the sort of the perfect solution for that. Yeah, It's like, it's kind of the only thing that we can grasp that sort of allows us to keep those two sort of contradictory ideas together. Um, So... Yeah, it's, it has an interesting place, I think, just in our world and in our perception of the world, our image of the world. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't know what math is, you know. The math is so interesting. Um, but because I don't really know what numbers and symbols actually are compared to like what a cell or a tree is, yeah. Um it's difficult to say like how meaningful the math part of it is, besides just its usefulness in prediction engineering science and you know it has incredible power in that way but um i i still have this gut feeling of really separating uh natural things and computational things um
0: computational things being
1: uh well anything abstract simple numbers. I have a quas- question
0: for you. Is It's like math numbers. Are they objectively real to you?
1: Um, Objectively?
0: Do they exist? Let's say, do we invent them? Do we create them? Do we discover them? That's more the question I'd say.
1: I, I, I still ask myself this one, so I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, I lean towards the invented over discovered.
0: So do you mean invented in a modern sense or in the inventio greek <laughs>
1: I, I would say more generally yeah inventio. Okay, this is um so maybe that's why where I would side towards maybe not objective objectively real but they are subjectively real but I have I have some categories for myself and numbers for me are in this category of abstract which is realized in the subjective
0: um, okay, I hear you. That's cool. They,
1: do, can, do, they can come off of a, a projective, uh, <laughs> sort of a projective return from something that is objective. That's re- right. Like the fractal mass Yes, yes, I
0: understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's only in the, like sort of the echo, right? Like the fractal numbers aren't out in the tree branches, but we can look at the tree branches.
0: Yeah, I understand.
1: Project our symbolic layer over it and see if that reflects back and it, it you know, if it works out, mm-hmm. um, but no, I'm not like a computational universe, like Max Tegmark, a brilliant guy like that it's numbers and computations out there or that it's a sort of simulation or, or anything like that. I'm very much like a kind of naturalist, I guess. I don't always know the correct philosophy labels to put on myself. Yeah. Um,
0: Do you listen you to know? John Vicky?
1: oh yeah i did the whole um awakening from the meaning crisis series back in the day
0: he's doing a transcendent naturalism series right now i don't know if you've been following
1: with uh greg
0: greg enriquez yeah
1: hard for me to i i it's hard for me to absorb that nowadays yeah i would have been better off 10 years ago um yeah. when i had more time and attention and uh energy to absorb that but Less i'm children still, I'm so on board with Vivek. He was another one of those guys that was so impactful to me, um, just in in opening me up to so much of cognitive science and spirituality and philosophy and and all of that. So okay. yeah,
0: and I like he's this... a, yeah, he, no go he ahead. Has a,
1: he has a guru who was one of my gurus before. Um, you know, he's a big proponent of J.J. Gibson. Yeah, if you know, Gibson. I know him. Yeah. When I read an ecological, you know, theory of um, perception. Yeah, exactly. Um, that really hit me hard. And, um, yeah, that was a sort of foundation for the way that I look at the world. I brought that into my sort of, uh, perspective when I went into research in neuroscience and perception, um, when I was doing eye tracking studies.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. uh... Yeah. I wanted to ask you because you mentioned Vervecki, Peugeot. So then we're already talking about this little corner, I would say. Um, how did you get into it or was it the Peterson, <laughs> the Peterson route?
1: Um Peterson and Vervecki, for
0: sure okay. early on. Yeah.
1: Um, and then Vanderclay and Peugeot yeah just like everybody I think yeah I think once you get to Paul Vanderclay and then he's putting all of them together for you you know and but Peugeot as well I wish you know honestly the one that I'm missing the most is uh Mateo Peugeot I feel like he he is the one that I really want to hear from the most nothing against the other guys of course um but his book uh is amazing yeah and really relate to that sort of mathematical spiritual yeah well another one of those people like background in math and computation stuff like me sort of got disillusioned by it all you know like when i started doing quantum physics in college i was like okay this is it really like all right this isn't so meaningful um uh but having that perspective and having that uh that lens to sort of take on things and be sort of create diagrams and um, just have a sort of formalism to the way you express the deeper ideas is something that comes natural to me. I do really great with a whiteboard, you know, like drawing (laughs) my diagrams and and all of that sort of thing. So everything is sort of represented in those types of icons for me, where I'm always sort of seeking that out when I'm trying to put the pieces together.
0: Do you think visually or uh, in words or both?
1: Um, I would say mostly in words. My experience in the world is incredibly visual, um, but but my inner dialogue is strong and it it feels like a dialogue to me.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, completely visual. I don't have any. Like I barely have words at all. You think imagery. Almost, yeah, almost only. And I think this actually changed over time in my life, but uh, I've been paying attention to it a lot lately. And I'm sad I'm not an artist because I think, like I can see the images so clearly when I think and I cannot, I could never put it into <laughs> on a canvas or anything, but it's, um, yeah, it's really the way it is for me. So I was kind of surprised because I heard people talking about their inner dialogues and like, you know, how there's always a voice going on. And, like, I'd never heard this um at least not recently and i tend to forget how i used to think but um
1: you ever try poetry
0: yes for myself for sure that's what i
1: mean writing yeah
0: yeah but um yeah for me it's mostly like i just see for example when i'm thinking about my next week i see the way like i run sort of simulations in my head about what fits and what doesn't fit like this conversation we're having right now when we were planning it i'm like okay tuesday got the yoga got the freaking you know <laughs> I don't, I don't think in words in that sense at all. I, I can force myself to think in words. Um, mm-hmm. But as I speak to you right now, I think that, um, like I see visual things and then they come down into-
1: Very yeah. interesting. I'm almost the exact opposite. I feel like I almost want to say that I have no imagination in the fact that I don't create any images at all. Um, and as you said, as you're preparing for things and thinking about- I'm always reviewing the conversation that I'm going to have. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about what will I say, yeah. you know, uh, in my, you know, in the chemistry class that I'm teaching, what is my talk track going to be? What am I going to say when I meet this person or have this interview or um, even just like in my relationships, you know, like, okay, we're going through this, like I'm going to need to have this conversation. What am I going to say? What are they going to say?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So that's very interesting. Maybe that's why our energy is so different too. Like, yeah. I know I'm trying, I talk so fast, I think, and like it's just coming That's out great. really because- hard. And it's just so nice, man. It's like <laughs> I wish I could be like you. I don't want to be so like hammering everything. No, but, but I'm
0: telling you, I told I told Scott offline, this is such a superpower to me. And it's the reason why I think you're very nice to interview because you know, some interviews, um I would have to come up with a lot of questions, you know, like off the bat, you always have input. And then the questions come naturally, so I don't have to like force myself. So it's it's super pleasant. So I, <laughs> I'm very happy that you have this energy.
1: Let's do it again. I, yeah, you know, I hope it, I hope it isn't one sided because I also like to hear from other
0: people. Like Yeah, yeah, no, clearly.
1: now that afterwards, you know, if I happen to watch this again, I'm like, oh my god, you did it again. Yeah, no. just the rails, just going on and on and on, like <laughs> Mister Know It All, just talking it all out. You know. Um, so I try, I try to balance that, but when people bring it out in me, I guess it does just kind of flow out. So I'm, I'm willing to do that if it, if you
0: like it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I think you told Karen that, um, we have a thing for memory and that your family knows not to mention the word memory. And then Karen's (laughs) like, no, 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 but I like to hear about this stuff. And I really do feel very similarly. And I think this is the right setting for it. And I have the same, you watched the talk with my brother and my father, you told me, And, um, at dinner, I'm like, guys, just don't, don't do it here. Like all the family's there, but then when the podcast is there, it's perfect. And then I can actually, you help me think about things and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. so much about things that I don't know much of anything about. So that's really super useful.
1: It seems like you have a super intelligent family and well-spoken too. That must be really fun to be able to engage like that. I I love my family, but but with my father, you know, I would, well, I guess, you know, I have some deep conversations with my father, but not of that, not belittling him, but not of that caliber, you know, yeah. like, um, but we relate on Jordan Peterson and and okay. things like that about human nature and things like that. But um,
0: yeah. yeah, it's specific, it's specific because for example, my father, and my brother, they're both very, well, I don't want to describe them like this, but they're both quite propositional, let's say. So, and my brother's a philosophy teacher now, and my dad, of course, theology and all these things, but mostly very propositional. Even though they both can feel, um, and my girlfriend, for example, is the exact opposite. Like she's really participatory. She um, and <laughs> she provides me different types of conversations. So even sometimes when you speak to people and it's not the same like caliber in terms in sense of like intellectual, the depth the depth is so much so much more sometimes. But I'm glad to also reach that with them, like my father, and my brother, in these propositional things, as long as it's not talking about politics. It's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a tough one.
0: Yeah. A- yeah,
1: I mean, the memory thing and other things, again, it's just this sort of like, my family knows better that I will go off on one of these rants. And, you know, I can be very sort of confrontational, contrarian, or like, you know, kind of preaching or teaching, you know, I get this like teacher voice sometimes, which, again, my experience of being a classroom teacher, it's like, you have to be that person to explain it all to everyone. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, I find it very natural to like, explain what I'm talking about. And they just, you know, roll their eyes like, all right, man, like, we've heard it before. We know, we know that you, you know, memories aren't stored in the brain. Like we get we get it. Okay, like, just said that I had a memory. All right, just let me say that. Don't, you know, don't make me go into the (laughs) the Hey, like just let me have my memory. Um, well, you've me got love. your
0: you've got your little corner now. So I feel like so well, many families, so many wives, so many husbands are so happy that their uh, person have <laughs> that their person has the little corner because that means that they'll be busy for a while. Yeah,
1: exactly. That you know, m- my wife is happy to release me to do this so that I don't <laughs> um, you know bring it onto her. Um, although we have, we have our own very deep conversations, um, and she teaches me a lot. She comes from a very different perspective as well Mm. that I can't, maybe, maybe similar to you. She's, um, she's a very intuitive, empathetic person. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, so she thinks in a totally different way than I do. And I've, when she brings questions and, uh, and questions what i tell her when i go off on my rants and she lets me do that and you know just uh going on and on about my own theories and uh, the and then she's asking me questions and i'm like okay wow wait that is actually something i have not thought about oh my yeah. god well you know and then i end up asking her questions so um well <laughs> you're right an outlet there's got to be some balance um and it's, you know, it's a hobby. It's just like yeah. a, it's just like exercise. You know, I still love to exercise and, and stay fit. And I run around, you know, the neighborhood with my girls in the stroller now. And, um, you know, still, still go to the gym. I uh, have, a, you know, I've been a strength and conditioning coach and like, so I can't, stay, can't stay out of the gym. Um, but uh, this is kind of a part of that, you know, I'm not fully into my PhD work. But I have a little, I have a little hobby. I have a little treat. I have a little uh, dessert of, you know, these types of conversations every once in a while. So
0: that's good. I, uh, are you still playing soccer at
1: all? uh, I re this last winter I played in just like a very simple men's league. And that was the first time in a long time, uh, competitively. Yeah. Because I'm so afraid to get injured again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, although all along the way, when I coach, and i've been coaching you know since my injury yeah um i was sort of play on the field yeah, you know was... so i'm always just playing a little bit but i did play a little bit competitively this last winter and um okay. it was really it was really fun <laughs> i really <laughs> getting into it oh yeah it came right back yeah. uh, and it was a blast so i got to try to find a little bit of the right level of um competition and lightheartedness but able to still express myself um on the field so i, yeah,
0: I, I have to the, sorry go ahead I,
1: I love to um nowadays a lot like what i what i do um i love to just sprint to just just go as fat i'm still trying to get faster yeah um so sprint up and down hills in my neighborhood and like pushing my my girls in the stroller just sprinting around that's kind of like how i get my I get my fix because, you know, in soccer, it was all about just sprint, 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 sprint. Yeah. Jump. And so, you know, I get that. I'm hyperactive mind, hyperactive body. So it's, it's always a hundred miles an hour in my life.
0: To me, that's a really good sign because I feel to me, I don't know why, but I think it's, uh, it's essential that, that you have like some sort of, of movement. And I really feel that thinkers especially that have that as well they have a sort of they have this extra thing to them to me at least um that i can also really relate to but it also i think it it really resets when when you're really full of, of stuff and you get really that that reset once you get started get uh get moving and it also adds to the holistic um let's say, the holistic human that 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 I think a proper thinker should be in my mind, like in an ideal world, you have also the embodied side. So uh, I'm glad to hear it. For, to me, it makes sense for you.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, I think I have, you know, because I'm in touch with the way that my body moves, Yeah. I'm more equipped to have ideas about the sensory motor system in terms of mm-hmm. neuroscience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Um, I understand like the, the thoughts and the non thoughts to, to action and like how that plays a role. And, um, so I think that that has also, you know, fed my, my perspectives and my ideas on things like, you know, how do we take actions in the world? How do we, how do we make motor movements? Um, and so I, I did a lot of studying in that, that was what my master's thesis um, was related to that sort of thing uh gestalt theories of perception and um sensory motor learning essentially
0: that sounds super cool i was actually thinking of doing a thesis about perception but i there's no way i'm gonna i'm in egyptology so it's like it, there's no way
1: <laughs> hey egyptology okay yeah. hey our next conversation can we talk about egyptology Yeah very interesting <laughs>
0: okay I, I like i'm no expert i'm in my third year uh, okay wait, i just want to know
1: how how old do you think the egyptian culture is um well don't don't <laughs> out yourself if you're in a program I'm, maybe oh, yeah maybe, i'm know. gonna
0: get into trouble no it's funny bleep because bleep out,
1: bleep it out say it to me and then just bleep it out and in, in the post. okay
0: i'll tell you <laughs> and then i'll bleep it out no we'll keep it in i like i honestly i really don't know but um, I'm not convinced that it's as old as my professors say they are. And I'm really close to my professors. Like I'm very close to, because the, the, the course is so small. Like today I had a class with myself and my friend and my teacher. And my teacher is like, um, he's in contact with a lot of the top Egyptologists. And to me, I mean, they're scientists and you listen to the Wolfgang Smith uh, episodes that I did with Karen and to me like you have theories and they're plausible or they're possible, but uh, there are a lot of anomalies. Let's say <laughs> that lead me to believe that there's at least a lot of possibilities for the ancient Egyptian culture to be older than people think that it is. Mm-hmm. And of course, I, um, from a young <laughs> younger age, I was exposed to a lot of Graham Hancock, which was very fun. Uh, I can I can listen to him. And be entertained and of course realize that uh, he's not always very accurate, but I love his speculations and it it helped me dream. It helped me also be motivated to get into the program. And so I won't give you a precise number, but I think it could very well be much older than we think
1: yeah and here here's what i and so i've probably seen a lot of those things too and um not like ancient aliens but there was another pyramid series that was you know suggesting that it was much much older there's also this group called like the the thunderbolts project which is a part of like the electric universe i don't know if you've been on that sort of like camp where again it's like very intriguing not always uh provable but you know the other side is also you know sometimes not provable here's yeah. what here's what sticks out to me it's like it seems like it would take a long time to have a culture that has a language and some sort of purpose to build structures like that yep. and to do artwork like that and it seems like to me it would take a lot longer than what the timeline is the timeline um, is weird <laughs> and so yeah i mean that the whole like younger dryas impact and that whole like thirteen thousand years ago type of i i think their head maybe it wasn't egyptian but exactly I think have been human civilizations with yeah. symbolism and spirituality and you know engineering techniques to some degree much much earlier um and so, yeah, the sort of historical, you know, timeline of uh, the Egyptians, I I don't want to like dispute that by any means, but I feel like the origins are maybe yeah. elsewhere. I should know? correct
0: myself as well, because the like the Egyptian culture itself, the way we know it, at least may, maybe it was uh, that there was a period that it was just ripped down and then it started back up again or it was just really started the moment that they said it was but you raise a good point in saying that it's possible that they found some of these things it's possible that they inherited some of these things that that's what i would go more for than that they are actually much older i'm i think it's possible that there's that there was something before but we can (laughs) we can leave that for later i have like a million things uh i want to talk to you about well, give me a preview
1: give me a preview because i can think in the meantime i was gonna say like i gotta go um for now yeah we we gotta talk again yeah, um for sure For sure. and so yeah what are you thinking um what do you want to talk about
0: because i, I don't
1: talk about anything
0: <laughs> i'm what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna re-listen to a conversation and um then i start writing what i what i'm interested in but you let me know as well and i think we can just do it over um if you have got the time a lot of episodes because i think uh to me it'll take me a while like with wolfgang smith it took me a while to integrate it so a lot of books a lot of listening to him and i feel similarly about you so um
1: yeah you'll have to read all my books
0: yeah that's the problem that's why i got to talk to you
1: <laughs> i'm just kidding no, i can't show, i can't show you all that stuff that i have written i honestly don't know how much uh how much there is i it's overwhelming to even think about going back through it, um, to be honest, but, um,
0: well, I'm done. I'm done.
1: (laughs) So this was so fun. I'm so glad to meet you. Like, uh, thank you for letting me talk. And, um, and I, yeah, I want to hear from you too, but I'm happy to just, just go with whatever we have going here. And um, yeah, let's set it up offline. Let's just, for
0: sure. For sure. We'll set up the next one. And, um, thank you Uh, For me, it's really a pleasure because uh, this was really one of my favorite conversations ever online, offline. So it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll meet uh, in person one day. I've heard it's uh, quite different. So (laughs) play some football or soccer. All right. All right. Have a good one, Scott.
1: And we'll see you next time.
0: I'll see you next time.